You know, one of the things that one of the things that Satan will offer you, and he'll offer it to you every morning, is he wants to offer you a crossless life. A life without the cross. A life without that right there. This is the same thing that he offered Jesus in the wilderness. Remember when he offered Jesus all of the treasures of this world, all of the kingdoms of this world. He offered Jesus all of the fame and recognition of the world. What was the one thing he didn't offer Jesus? He didn't offer Jesus the cross. He said, if you'll just walk away from your ministry, if you'll just walk away from the cross, I'll give you all of these things. This is the same temptation that he wants to offer you every morning, is to get up and run after the things of this world. He's going to offer you every morning a crossless day. But Jesus said, if you're my disciple, pick up your, pick up your cross. Pastor, why do you keep talking about Jesus? Talk about five points to success. Man, how much Jesus. People, people treat Jesus as if he's like step one and then we move on to more important things. As if he's like the, the, the pediatrics of Christianity. He is Christianity. He is the first and the last. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Heaven has one topic, Jesus. Heaven has one subject, the lamb that was slain. It's not, well, I got saved, I'm ready to move on to now a 12-step plan to be successful and I need six ways to make my marriage better. Your marriage will be great if you were like Jesus. How do I become a better parent? Be like Jesus. How do I become successful in business? Be like Jesus. How do I get healed? Be like Jesus. How do I get over anxiety? Be like Jesus. How do I get through depression? Be like Jesus. How do I handle political climates? Be like Jesus. Satan wants to offer you a crossless life. He offered it to you this morning. He'll offer it to you tomorrow morning. You will have the opportunity to decide if you want to have a day without the cross. And let me tell you what that day will be like, stressful, Frustrated, because people are the worst. <laughs> Come on, this is what you're going to say. Without the cross, oh, life would be wonderful. It wasn't for you. You will end up with peopleitis, where you hate people. How many have ever had peopleitis before? Yeah, it's a real thing. This is what happens without the cross. 
And you'll get up and he'll say, come on, I got the treasures of this world waiting on you. You don't have time for the cross today. You'll be laying in your bed and those warm blankets have demons on them <laughs> holding you in the bed. Come on. I'm being facetious here. But how many of you know it feels like, man, I just can't get out of this thing. This is all our flesh. And you have to war against that. You, the Lord is not calling you to go to Israel and go to the wilderness for 40 days. He's asking you to get out of your bed and go on your knees. I've been to the wilderness. I would not spend the night there. I stood at it and I looked at it and I went, I wouldn't spend one night in that place, let alone 40 days. And every morning you wake up, you're gonna have the temptation and he will offer you a crossless life. And we have to come to the place where our heart burns for the Lord. Where we want services that he likes more than what people like. You know? Where we leave going, the Lord showed up. Well, how do we know if he came? Did people's hearts burn? Did sickness leave? How do I know if the Lord, do you not know when the Lord of glory comes in a room? How many of you know what it feels like when the Lord comes in the room, right? Did, did hearts burn? Did sickness leave? Did, did sinners fall in love with Jesus and repent of their sin? Did people get a passion and a love in their heart for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I hate to say this, but I think the church really, in America, is, sometimes is, is 100 miles wide and an inch deep. It's so big and so glamorous, but it's so shallow. And we don't know the man, Christ Jesus. We don't know him for ourselves. We as people, hear me, need to know the Lord, to know him. We need leaders. We need more pastors who are not afraid of the people. And preachers who died to the opinions of people in the seats. And to serve the Lord and not the clock. People serve the clock as if it died on the cross and rose from the dead for your sins. All in service, you're thinking about, your heart is not on him, your heart's on the clock. How, how, how can you say you love Jesus and your heart is on the clock as if the clock died for you? We gotta go serve the clock. We gotta, your, your heart's on the clock, your mind's on the clock, everything's on the clock. And, and so many people are bought into like a 60 minute service as if that's in the Bible. Where did you come up with that? Well, that's how I grew up, and? Do you wanna drive the car you drove in? Do you wanna fly the planes that were flying at that time? Do you wanna have the same phones that were around at that time? So, oh, so you only wanna kick it old school when it comes to how long church should be.
Hey family, thank you so much for joining us here on our YouTube channel. I pray that this sermon has blessed and encouraged your life. Most importantly, helped you become more like Jesus. If you want to watch the full sermon, uh, please go to my personal YouTube channel, Jonathan Brozozog. That's B-R-O-Z-O-Z-O-G. Thank you so much. Thank you for your heart to partner with us on this message of truth, which is the message of Jesus. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you real soon. We don't even talk about the cross. This is the subject of our life. 1 Corinthians 1.23, Paul says, we preached Christ crucified. Put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians, there it is, 123. We preached what? Preach Christ crucified. Not Jesus who's going to bless you and make everything wonderful. And if you get saved, you'll have no pain or problems or difficulty. This is not in your Bible. Jesus said things like, if you follow me, you will suffer persecution. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks it was foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jew and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not Many noble are called. See, what is your call? You've got to know your call. So many people, I listen to them, they're like, oh, I'm called to teenagers. I'm called to worship. I'm called the kids. I'm called to, I don't know, whatever they say. None of this is in the Bible. There is no John chapter 2, verse 17, he called them to kids' ministry. He called them to worship ministry. He called them to teen ministry. None of this is in your Bible. You're just repeating something you heard someone else say. You didn't, the Lord didn't give this to you. A call is bigger than a department. A call is ministry. It's an office of ministry. For instance, you can be called to discipleship. So if we put you in kids, guess what you're gonna do with kids? If I put you with teenagers, guess what you're gonna do? If I put you with senior citizens, guess what you're gonna do? If I put you in Africa, guess what you're going to do? Because you have a call of discipleship. You can have a call of soul winning. If I put you in kids' ministry, guess what you're going to do? If I put you out on, in, in certain parts of Minneapolis, guess what you're going to do? Win souls. If I put you in Guatemala, guess what you're going to do? Win souls. If I put you with teenagers, guess what you're going to do? Win souls. Because you have a soul winning calling. If you have a call to tell people about the Holy Spirit, if I put you in kids, guess what you're going to do? Start seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit. If I put you in teens, guess what you're going to do? See teens filled with the Holy Spirit. If I put you in marriage ministry, guess what you're going to do? See marriages filled with the Holy Spirit because you have a call to the Holy Spirit. Stop putting yourself in these boxes that, that are in the church and say you're called to just this one part of the church. Your call, your call is bigger than a department. 
And hear me, single people, know your call before you get in a relationship. If you don't know your call, if you don't know your call, you'll get in a relationship with someone that doesn't fit your call. Go Vikings. That's not like Jesus. That's not like the Lord. We die to our own opinions. Verse 29, that no flesh glory in his presence, but him are ye in Christ Jesus, of whom God made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glory, let him glory in what? The Lord, glory in the Lord, not the size of the room being filled. Why do we as pastors, and I'm guilty of this, find, find our self-worth in how many people are in the room? We should not glory in how many people are in the room. We should not glory in how many people follow us or how many people do this. Our glory should be in did Jesus show up and did he stay? that we will not glory in our checking accounts. God wants us to be blessed. Come on, how many of you want to be blessed? I want y'all to be multimillionaires. Blessed, loaded, wonderful. I want, I want you to prosper. But let's not glory in it. Let's glory in his presence. Philippians 1, 15 through 18. I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture and then we're gonna pray. Philippians uh, 1, 15 through 18. And indeed... Some indeed preach Christ. What do they preach? Christ. They preach Christ. Some of envy and strife and some of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He said even if people preached it with the wrong intention, they still preach Christ. Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And daily in the temple and in every, this is small groups, they cease not to teach and preach. What do they teach and preach? What did the early church preach? What did the disciples preach? They preached Jesus. Acts 2.36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom we have crucified both Lord and Christ. He says, tell the whole nation that he has made him Lord and Christ. Acts 8.5, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached, come on, preached what? Christ unto them. What did they preach in the early church? I'm reading it to you. They preach Jesus the Christ. It wasn't like, hey, get saved. Now let's go on to more important things. Acts 9.22, but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dealt in Damascus, proving 
that this is the very Christ, Acts 18 and 5. And when Silas and uh, uh, Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the If you want to fall in love, would the Lord fall in love with the scriptures? You need to have the scriptures in your heart as a reservoir. A reservoir that when crisis comes, you can pull on it. Because if you don't have the scriptures in your heart as a reservoir, when crisis comes, you won't have anything to pull on. And we need to discover Jesus in our Bible. The loss of first love, hear me before we pray, the loss of first love is not, is not a trip. It's not a, oh, it trips. Oh, I, I'm not in first love. It's not, it's not a stumble. The loss of first love is a total collapse. If Jesus is not your first love, it is not a stumble. It is a total collapse of your faith. Listen to what they said. Remember the heights from which you have fallen and return to your first love. That if we're not where we need to be with the Lord, if he's not first in our life, it's not a trip. It's not a oops. It's not a, oh, there's a little, I need to, I need, you, you're not like a little trip. You have fallen. The Bible says, remember the height from which you have fallen. That's not a trip. That's not a oopsie, oopsie whoopsie. Oopsie whoopsie, I don't pray in the morning. Oopsie whoopsie. So little oopsie whoopsie, I, I don't read my Bible any at all. Oopsie, it's just a little oopsie, geez. no. No, 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 that's a lie from Satan. You, you have fallen from a great height. And the Lord says, remember the height from which you have fallen and return to your first love. And I don't know, I know people wanna rush their time with the Lord, but listen to me. To rush God is to find fault with God. To rush the Lord is to find fault with the Lord. How many of you ever rushed your spouse? Come on. And, and they're not hurrying? Don't you instantly find fault with them? Some of y'all, this, this is what happened on the way to church today. Is you're trying to rush them because you have an appointment, you have an agenda, you have something, and they're whatever, they're not doing, they're not moving at the pace you need them to move, and you instantly find fault. I mean, you've been at a restaurant and they don't bring the food. You instantly start finding fault with the whole restaurant. This place has gone down. <laughs> it's just not what it used to be. 
we have things to do. We have, they're not moving, you're, you're, they're not rushing. Now you find fault. When you rush God, you find fault with God. This is, this is a lie from the enemy. This is what happens to so many people when they come to God's house. They want to rush the Lord, and when they don't, when God and the church and, their, and pastors are pressured and the whole team, everybody's pressured to have to rush to appease people's flesh, and God walks out of the room. Because when flesh walks on the stage, God walks out. And he says, you want to do it without me? Just, you do it. You guys have fun. I don't know about you, but I need the wind of the Holy Spirit every Sunday. I need the touch of the Holy Spirit in the room. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit to fill the room. And if he doesn't heal people, if he doesn't deliver people, if he doesn't set people free, I can't do it. What am I gonna do, just tell a bunch of jokes and entertain people? And we all leave the way we came. How much of your attention does it take for you to host his presence? To me, it's all of them. How much, how much would it take? How much attention how much of your attention? Can you be on Facebook and host his presence? Can you be arguing with people and host, host the Holy Spirit? Can you have the oil and tears run down your face and be on Instagram? How much of your attention does it take to host the dove? Imagine if there was a dove right here. I brought a dove. And I, and I said it right here. You know what we'd all be like? Just calm down. Nobody freak out. No sudden movements. Nobody yell. Why? Because you'd freak it out. It would leave. And you know what we'd all be doing? We'd all just be watching it. Walking with the Holy Spirit all day is like walking, Bill Johnson says, with, with, a dove, with a dove on your shoulder. How would you live today if you had to live with a dove on your shoulder? You know what you would stop doing? You'd stop hanging around people who freak it out. You'd stop hanging around people who make it leave. And they'd call you and be like, hey, you wanna hang out? And be like, I would love to hang out, but you can't control yourself when I'm around you, and every time I'm around you, the Holy Spirit leaves my life. And that's why I can't hang around you. And you're like, hey, how are you? And they start freaking out and saying, and you're like, thanks. Thank you, thanks a lot, it's gone. And then what happens is you just start to go, I need to be in environments that make it feel comfortable. I need to be in environments that make it feel like it wants to stay. I don't want to do anything that would make this dove leave my life. Because when this dove's on my shoulder, 
every business decision I make is right. When this dove is on my shoulder, everything I say is like Jesus all day. When this dove is on my shoulder, I sleep at night. When this dove's on my shoulder, I have no sickness in my body. When this dove is on my shoulder, the marriage between me and my wife is beautiful. That's why I don't want to be around anybody or anything that would cause this to leave my life. And this becomes more precious to you than gold. Praise the Lord. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what are you saying, Pastor? I'm going to say this and we'll be done. Do not accept a crossless life. Do not wake up in the morning and he's going to offer it to you. He's going to offer it to you. And those blankets are going to feel like they're 8,000 pounds. I don't know, maybe it's just my blankets because they feel... I had to kick those things off of me today. Lord Jesus, I have to pray myself out of bed sometimes. Does anybody else have to do this so I don't have to feel like I'm the only one? Yeah, all right, somebody's with me, Cortez is with me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm, I, am not, I am not gonna live today without the cross. I'm not gonna surrender to a crossless life. How many of you ever spent a day without the cross? How many of you ever had that day you go, I'd have been more productive if I had just laid in bed all day? Because I have torn up everything today since I, since I got up. You need the cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's all pray this and then and here's what we're gonna do. I have five babies I'm bringing out on stage to dedicate to the Lord before we go. So everybody pray this with me. Say, Jesus, help me not live a crossless life. Help me live a life pleasing to you in what I do and in what I say that my life would bring glory to your name. Let me live with doves on my shoulder. Forgive me of not putting you first in every area of my life. But help me embrace the cross that I may be the spouse, the leader, the parent that you have called me to be in Jesus' name. Amen.